Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today, we have the leading expert on TPRM, Linda Tuck Chapman. Formerly, she was the Chief Procurement Officer and Head of Supplier Risk Management at Scotia Bank Group. She was then the Chief Procurement Officer and Head of Third Party Risk Management at Fifth Third Bank and then BMO Financial Group. She is now the Third Party Risk Management Roundtable Chair, and she is the CEO of the Third Party Risk Institute. Like I said, she's the, <laughs> the leading expert on TPRM. I came across Linda when we both spoke at a TPRM conference. I knew little to nothing about TPRM, but they needed a data thing. And so I did a, a data thing for them. But uh, in getting to know Linda a little bit from that and her profile and her session and everything, I said, yeah, we haven't really talked TPRM. I'm not even sure if the acronym has been mentioned on the show. Um, but it's something that we desperately, I felt like, need to get a better understanding of as internal auditors. And so some of the things that we hit on is like, why is there a TPRM acronym? So TPRM, third party risk management, like you never hear about HRRM, human resource risk management or APRM. So clearly there is, it's a big enough deal that it warranted its own acronym. So we hit on, you know, what is TPRM? Why is it such a big deal now? How can audit best support TPRM? What data can we use in the TPRM process or from the TPRM process? And then because of just Linda's involvement relative to risk um, and, and working with internal audit departments, we ask what is audit struggling with the most from her perspective? A couple of resources from Linda. If you, like I mentioned, she's the CEO of the Third Party Risk Institute. Uh, they offer the leading TPRM certification. And so we'll drop a link to the Third Party Risk Institute website for you guys to check that out. Linda has also authored two books, so we'll link to those. The first one being Third Party Risk Management, A Practical Guide, and the other one being Third Party Risk Management, Driving Enterprise Value. Here we go. So TPRM has been one of those acronyms that have kind of popped up, it seems like, in the last, what, 10 years or so. Um, and so a couple of things, one, what is TPRM, not just the acronym, but kind of a definition that we could all understand. And then why is it, why does it have its own acronym? Why is like HRR human resource risk? Why is that not an acronym? Like, why did this thing become such a deal that it got its own acronym? 
You know what? That is actually a really good question. I don't know why I didn't get its own acronym, but okay. So let me start at the beginning. Uh, Third-party risk management is really what it spells out to be, but uh, it's a lot of people would have thought of it as a vendor risk management. Right. And people talk about supply chain risk management, and now we talk about third-party risk management. So I think the question is, what is a third party? So all companies rely on other entities in order to deliver goods and services to their clients. So that means that you're doing business with your clients, but then you have this whole other set of entities, sometimes people, most often companies, and sometimes you know utilities, all kinds of things. So those, in fact, are third parties to your organization. So a third party is a vendor. And they're, you know, even if you don't really manage all of them in, in terms of in your program today, you can still find a vendor in your accounts payable system, even if it might be hard to find because you have the messy, hmm. messy records. So there's another type of, of, uh, of relationship you have, which you're not going to find in your accounts payable. And that is actually what I would call a non-vendor third party. Okay. So it's, you're still doing business with, so with another entity, but it could be, uh, for example, let's say you get into a joint venture or you use an agent uh, in order to, you think about insurance agents, or you, uh, I know a lot about the financial services sector. So there's lots of utility type things like um, correspondent banking or payment uh, facilitators like a visa or an interact or whatever. And those basically are never going to show up in your accounts payable because you're not paying them a fee per se that gets paid by check or, you know, ACH, whatever. But that's still part of delivering goods and services to your clients. And so most companies start out with a vendor component. It's a little bit easier to wrap your arms around it and then start to figure out how to layer in all of those other non-vendor third parties until they have or kind of a programmatic way to look at the whole inventory of who is helping them do business with their customers. And so, you know, so it can be pretty big, right? Yeah. You might have, you might be a small company, have a couple of hundred. You might be a large company and have a hundred thousand right. vendors alone. Okay. Knowing that, what what can this is the audit podcast? What can audit do? What should audit do to support TPRM? Like, what's our role within TPRM? Okay, so I think that audit plays a very very important role. Now, audit people who are audit professionals have to have a very very broad view of the world, right? They have to know at least an inch deep about many many things in terms of making an organization work. But what what all what did they have in common is all auditors are much more familiar with the concept of controls, internal controls, and how those actually help you manage risk in your organization. So somebody who's in audit can provide a you know a lot of help to someone who's designing a program, uh, or who's implementing a program. And then once it's implemented, they play a role on behalf of the board of directors. So they'll go in, they can, they will audit the effectiveness and the compliance to policy for the program itself. And then they should also go into the businesses because the businesses, in fact, are engaging with the third party risk management program. And they have a lot of role, uh, they have a big role and a lot of responsibilities of their own, including deciding which are the most important relationships they have in order to um, deliver goods and services to their, their, you know, the, the clients that they support or the core services, yeah. right? So audit basically should be looking at the application of the third-party risk management program when they go in and conduct an audit, especially yeah. if there's a, a massive relationship that the company is really reliant on. Maybe the auditors are listening and aren't familiar with TPRM and they're like, eh, maybe we should look into that. 
is there i'm thinking about this industry why uh industry wise is there yeah. are there industries like i'm in this industry and so i need to keep up uh i need to be more aware of it like what what industries are being affected the most would you say well the ones that probably identify with this the most easily uh are the ones who are highly regulated yeah. so financial services uh whether you're in healthcare Anything that's very, very regulated probably has, you know, if you're in a company like that, you probably already have a a reasonable handle on what needs to be done. But quite truthfully, I mean, especially with all the cybersecurity attacks, supply chain issues, et cetera, I have found that this basically third-party risk management is of interest to to every company of every type these days. Yeah. That that is new. That's new. Actually, I think the pandemic brought it to light. Plus the number of cybersecurity attacks is really making people very cautious. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so we, uh, or at least I found out about you, I spoke at a TPRM conference. Uh, you spoke at it also. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I'd always heard, heard TPRM mostly relative to financial services. Um, and talking to some of the folks there during the conference and after the conference, it seemed like there was a decent amount who weren't in that industry uh, or sector that were going, yeah, we just launched our TPRM uh, process and we're just starting to get the ball rolling and things like that. So uh, I think that clearly speaks to your point. Um, but that's, I, I, I wanted to see like what would be the primary, you know, someone's listening, maybe we should go talk to our TPRM folks or understand a little bit more um, if it's one of those those sectors. So um, with that, maybe a, maybe a pretty decent start. So let me just comment on that because it depends uh, basically the the shape and composition of your third-party risk management program itself is kind of sector dependent. Now there's a a big body of risk that covers just about every type of company, whether it's operational resilience, you're looking at financial health of your third parties, you're looking at the cybersecurity controls, et cetera. So there is um, enough in common, like I've written two books on this. So uh, in my books, I list, 30 different types of risks that you should be concerned with. And most companies should be concerned with many of them or or most of them. Got it. So, and then when you get into specific industries, you think about food, for example, food safety uh, has its own set that's layered on top of that. So you start out with the basics and you can build around what's already gone before. And if you're in the financial services sector, you probably have lived with the pain that we we have been through trying to figure this out. Right. That in the sector actually is really good news because there's so much work that has been done in this area in the last 10 years that you can leapfrog a lot of the painful experiences that we had in the early days. Yeah. And you've you've been doing this for a long time. Um, probably one of the, if not the expert in this uh, TPRM space. What is it that you specifically help folks with? Well, uh, I, I've been, I actually was a corporate executive and I was a chief procurement officer and had a third party risk in the financial services sector, working with very, very large banks. So banks spend, I don't know, the ones that I work for spend, you know, six or 8 billion a year in mm-hmm. good services. So you can't deal with everything, right? It's not a one size fits all. So developing a program to figure out which relationships are important to most important to your organization in terms of operational resilience or, you know, compliance or uh, or serving your customers, and then what types of risks do they expose them? And do these relationships expose you to? What are you going to pay attention to? Is really a fundamental principle of building a decent program. Yeah, because you you, you can't deal with a one size fits all. You have a, you know, the banks that I've been working with, uh, you know, we would have like fifty thousand vendors. Well, 
you can't deal with a population that big. You need to figure out which ones are important. Yeah. 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 So, so basically, is, is, as we as we sort of migrate through this and have learned over time, uh, we've, come, we've come up with a more programmatic way to deal with third-party risk. And so you're quite right. I've, I've been in this area for a long time. This is all that I do. So what I do basically is I help organizations. Most, most everybody has some form of third-party risk management program today. So what I help them to do is there's a, there's a real lack of integration across the risk specialists and the business. And I would say that's really where I've spent a lot of my effort in the last five years. So once you start to figure out how to integrate and make this a much smoother process with across procurement, the risk specialists, compliance, et cetera. And then the next thing that I also help companies do is figure out how to strengthen their program and make it better. Right. You're trying to integrate it and then you're trying to make it stronger to protect the organization. So I've done a lot of work in that over the last few years. And then I also have, as I mentioned, I've written two books and I have a certification program. So I'm very keen on raising the bar in terms of how this is done. So I've got the consulting, but I also focus a lot on the education side. Education. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And we'll link to those two books in the show notes for those that um, need or want to check those out. Hey, everyone. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. So I'm always curious, data-wise, uh, being an analytics myself, what kind of data are we looking at within TPRM? How have you seen that data best utilized? Um, is it typically easy to obtain and capture? Um, walk me through maybe some of the analytics that you've even seen there, kind of that um, where we can get the most value relative to data and TPRM. Yeah, and that that can be really challenging because if you're if you don't have good data and de- good data governance, you really can't do your job because. In the long run, this is all about creating risk-informed decisions and providing decent risk oversight. So in order to get there, the first thing I say is if you don't, if you if you can't talk your company into investing in, in some sort of purpose-built technology yeah. for this, I mean just kill me now because there's <laughs> like, I mean there's just there's just so much data to deal with that you can't do any data analytics and you can't really help the organization. So you're dealing with individual relationships. And if you have a platform, there's lots of good ones out there now. So you really want to think through all the possible questions somebody could ask you so you have a field for it. If you have a field and you have good data governance so that when you put the data in, it is correct and it's accurate and stays up to date, then basically you're well equipped for down the road. Because the down the road part is to look basically so that you want individual businesses to understand the risk profile of an individual relationship and how it affects their overall business. So it might link to if they use the um, uh, uh, risk and control self-assessment, for example, it'll feed into that. And then so when you start to put the aggregated pieces together for each of the businesses, which consists of each of the vendors or third parties, and start to get up to the enterprise level, you can really get a handle on how much risk your organization has taken on 
whether or not you can create good key risk indicators and thresholds to live within so that you can actually deliver against your risk appetite. And not even all businesses are the same. Some can take on more risk than others, right? I come out of banking. You never want your retail operations to take on too much risk. Right? That's core banking. Sure. But you might be willing to do it in maybe your mobile banking area where you're going to take on more innovation. So you, you, what you want to do is get good data, be able to look at your aggregated risk across the organization, and you want to look at it by type of risk, by business, by portfolio, et cetera. So that, you know, basically what you're trying to do is, is help the, the, the company stay resilient. So if there's a major issue or incident with one of your third parties, you should be able to tell immediately if you're doing business with them, who's doing business with them, how much data they have, for example, and where it's sitting, et cetera, et cetera. So you can you you would know probably even as soon as, as you start to ask the questions, whether or not there's a possibility you will be affected by a data breach that's occurred at your third party. Without data with and data analytics, you know, then you're just consuming one at a time and you don't really need exactly a program. You just need a process. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And maybe it's just because uh, we started talking this from a data perspective, but it clicked a, a bit more for me when we started doing that. So hopefully for the, the data folks, uh, it did as well there. And maybe there's a tie-in to TPRM here, but what do you see, because you work with auditors, what do you see audit departments struggling with the most? Well, there's a, there's such a transition in the world of audit because it's it's not, you know, sort of checkers of, of boxes and, and making sure there's compliance with policy. I think that the role of internal audit has really evolved in the last couple of years. And there's a big expectation that they, in fact, will represent the interests of the board of directors who they work for, right? They do report up through the organization, but right. they should do work for the board of directors. And the, the boards themselves are beginning to be, I mean, I know a lot of people won't go on a corporate board because of the personal liability that, that a director faces. So in order to really do their job, they need to basically understand third-party risk. They need to understand enough about, the, about what drives risk, whether or not it's acceptable, whether the program is producing, it's, whether it's effective. And, and really, I mean, we talked about this earlier, it's about collaborative problem solving, right? Because you, you don't want perfection in, in running your business. You won't have a business for very yeah. long. What you're really looking for is to make sure that your business runs as smoothly as possible, that you have your eyes wide open when you're taking on risk, and an auditor can help you get to that place, because you know I never ever <laughs> suggest that that you build a program in isolation or run it in isolation. You should be constantly collaborating with your with your auditors, both internal and external, to look at the impact of risk on your organization and how you can possibly take on more, continue to have strong operational resilience, and be able to you know to create some distance between yourself and your competitors. Yeah. So auditors play a big role in this. They're expected to be collaborative problem solvers to be able to protect the, the organization and the board and to provide some good insight in terms of, you know, does this work? How far can we go? What are we seeing in other practices? And when you when you think TPRM is a small component of what they need to know, they're stretched pretty, pretty thinly to try and be all those things to all those people and the company at the same time. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I've heard the same and experience the same uh, as well as far as being the, the stretch too thinly across those. So um, that was fantastic. Is there, so those, those are my questions for you. Uh, kind of my, my selfish questions almost. Is there anything that you, uh, that maybe you're like, Trent, you idiot, you should have asked me about this or, or any like topic 
relative to what we've been talking about that you want to make sure that the listeners hear? Uh, yes, and thank you for asking. So one of the important components of a program that I, I don't always see done well, and sometimes it's not really done intentionally at all, is to create a relationship segmentation framework. Okay. And what I mean by that is when you're looking at uh, trying to create some consistency across the organization, the first thing you want to know is how important is that relationship, right? And it has to be in the context of the business unit and the company. So coming up with some sort of different levels, descriptions, impact descriptions, examples, et cetera. So you can start to parse out the, the relationships in, in terms of three or four or five levels in, of importance. I mean, you have the ones that are kind of bet the company and fall on your knees if they don't work, people get that. But how would you actually create a little bit of segmentation, which helps you risk adjust your activities? So the second element, which I, I still see blended in in some organizations is you take this notion of criticality, which is important to importance to your company. It's inward facing. It's your company. How important is this relationship? The outward facing is the exposure to risk. Which risks are you exposed to? And being very intentional about looking at the different types of risk and determining whether you're exposed to it is part of your relationship segmentation. It drives all of your downstream activity all the way to you know the day that the relationship ends. So that's something I would really advocate that people think very carefully about, particularly auditors can, can give some direction in that area. Because part of the problem is also risk ratings. If you blend all this stuff together, you have to give a lot of points to the criticality component of it because it's how important it is. And then you're skinning down on, on you know the points you give it for risk exposure. So if you separate the concepts, I think that's really super helpful. It also improves your risk reporting. Because then you can come and say, you said these were your, the important ones, is we've agreed to this, here's the risk profile, right? These ones are kind of moderate importance, we wanna make sure that we manage them, here's the risk profile. It just makes a whole lot more sense. So that's one thing I'd like to say. And the other thing I'd like to say is, you know, what are the hot topics? Hmm. Okay, so uh, I actually happen to be speaking to a group on Thursday, so I have a list right here in front of me. <laughs> Very convenient for us then. Very convenient, yes. Okay, so fourth party management, very big. Uh, and the reason for that is that a fourth party is those critical third parties to your vendors and third parties, right? So it's once removed. Yep. And so uh, you can't evaluate the risk of those and the contracts, et cetera, the fourth right. party deal with them directly. So in order to determine fourth party management, you should really looking at how your third party, do they do things the way that you would expect? Do they know who the critical third parties are and do they manage them? And the reason why that's so important is because we're finding most of the cybersecurity breaches more and more and more are coming through weak fourth party management because right. the bad guys will find the weakest line. So that's something that I, I'd like to point out. Uh, um, an emerging topic is modern slavery, which is a very heavy-handed term for exploitation of workers. But in the U.S., there are 27 states that are coming up with modern slavery laws. And so that really bleeds into uh, ESG, which is environment, uh, social, and governance. Right. The social component of it is really taking more, um, uh, certain more predominance. And uh, I guess not, last but not least is supply chain risk. So people do confuse supply chain risk with the larger topic of third-party risk. But supply chain risk is about logistics, source of supply, warehousing, and distribution. And that, I, in my opinion, falls very squarely in the world of procurement and post-contract management, right? So it should be done as, as a component piece. 
but you're not evaluating controls around supply chain necessarily. You're looking at sources of supply. So it's an important element, but it's not quite the same as looking at third-party controls. There's been um, a few folks where the show kind of went similarly. I had my questions and I said, what do you want to hit on? And then it's like, I should just ask that first, ditched all my questions, put those to the side, and then we would have been good to go. That was brilliant. Is that, uh, is it, with that said, uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Well, I, I would um, also encourage people to look at uh, risk intelligence solutions. You know, third-party risk is, it, it's, it seems really, I think, to senior people, super, super uncomplicated, right? You just, well, figure it out. And it looks like, why are you not done yet? But it's a very complex subject. And I think your first question really hit it the nail on the head. It involves just about every part of your organization, right? You have the business. They have a lot of relationships that they rely on. You've got risk specialists sitting in the, in the center. Yeah, and you've got compliance and you've got audit. So it really, there's a very broad span of control here and a lot of people involved. So having a good program that makes sense as well, workflow, et cetera, is something that's, that's increasingly important. And one of the ways that you can actually make good use of your internal resources is to rely on third-party risk intelligence. So I, I don't see as much of this as I'd like to, but there are good companies out there that can do financial health ratings, tell you about litigation history. Uh, I think everybody's familiar with sanction screenings. And if you're doing it yourself, why would you? There's like 166 sanctions lists and they change every day, yeah. right? So, well, please don't do that. Uh, there's out, there's ones out there for cybersecurity breaches, et cetera, to keep you informed. So I, I'd like to see people more and more rely on those so that they are not trying to scramble and keep up with everything. Because if they're trying to do all the tasks, they're stuck in task management and they can't really migrate and evolve into risk management. Yeah, that's great. I love that last piece. Um, even more so than the last, last piece. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> All right, Linda, thank you a ton for uh, for joining us. I know it's it's a topic that we haven't, I don't even know if we said the acronym on the show and we're a hundred plus episodes in. So I felt like it was something we desperately needed to talk about and super excited that we had, again, um, probably the expert on the topic here to, uh, to share that with us. So thank you very much. Thanks, Trent. I enjoyed it. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.